Welcome to CME on ReachMD. The following activity, titled New Perspectives on Biologic Therapy in Crohn's Disease, is provided in partnership with Prova Education and is supported by an educational grant from Takeda. Here's your host, Dr. Neil Nandi. There's an ongoing dialogue on the shifting expectations of care and the management of Crohn's disease because it isn't just about controlling symptoms anymore. It's about controlling inflammation. That's why today we'll be exploring what we mean by treating the target, the benefits of early initiation of biologics, and how real-world data is stacking up to clinical trial evidence. This is CME on ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Neil Nandi. Joining me to discuss these advances in the management of Crohn's disease is Dr. Millie Long, Associate Professor of Medicine in the Division of Gastroenterology and Hepatology at the UNC School of Medicine in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Dr. Long, thank you for joining us for the program. Thank you. Pleased to be here. So, you know, it's a rapidly changing era in the management of Crohn's disease. Can you please tell us how has our approach over the last five to ten years changed? I think it's changed a great deal, and and we think for the better uh, outcomes for our patients. I think the biggest change in the last decade has been a change of goals of therapy, whereas previously we would treat with medications to help to improve symptoms, which still remain a very important goal. We want our patients feeling better. Our treatment landscape has really evolved that it becomes very important to also treat in order to improve inflammation. Because what we have found, you know, over the past decade is that we have much better outcomes for our patients when we actually uh, heal up the inflammation and heal up uh, the bowel lining. And so our goals have now become dual-fold, where we want patients feeling better, but we also want the bowel lining healed. The other aspect I would say that's changed a great deal over the past decade is appropriate selection of patients and and when we need to intervene in terms of treating uh, with biologic agents. And we're starting to understand that we need to treat somewhat more aggressively earlier in the disease course. What we think is that if we can treat the inflammation in Crohn's disease before structural damage occurs, before a patient has a complication such as a bowel obstruction or an abscess associated with fistulizing disease, our medications, A, are more effective, and B, have more of an ability to prevent uh, downstream complications for our patients. And so this idea of treating to a target of healing inflammation and treating appropriate patients with risk factors earlier in the disease course has helped us uh, to improve outcomes in Crohn's disease. There are interesting data that actually show that in the biologic era, we actually seem to have a lessening rate of surgeries uh, for Crohn's disease, and we find that reassuring that potentially we're helping to impact some of these downstream consequences. No, absolutely. And, and we know that, like you said, the natural history of Crohn's, when we wait too long, there's too much damage done to the bowel wall, and, and we're inevitably you know, going down the line of surgery. We have to treat earlier. Um, are there any particular clinical trials that we can cite or that, that might be useful for our, our listeners to, to gauge uh, that can give evidence to how we can uh, treat more aggressively? Absolutely. I think one of the uh, more recent landmark studies um, was the CALM study uh, that Jean-Fred Colombel and colleagues uh, published in Lancet last year. And this was the first study to demonstrate uh, kind of two aspects of Crohn's disease management. The first being that um, they treated to a target. 
And then the second aspect was that they tried to maintain tight control, meaning that they used more than just clinical symptoms to actually um, titrate therapy so that issues such as elevated fecal calprotectin or elevated CRP uh, markers of inflammation uh, came into play that if these were still elevated, medications would be titrated. This was actually a randomized controlled trial of the kind of standard, which is to use clinical symptoms to help to guide therapy as compared to this kind of tight control paradigm using some of these biologic markers. And importantly, when we do use this tight control and really kind of monitor biologically as well as symptoms, it actually allows us to have better endoscopic outcomes. We actually get more healing of the bowel over the long term. And so I think this has really changed some of the paradigm of how uh, we manage uh, Crohn's disease. Yeah, I think you brought up a really important point for our listeners, which is the importance of mucosal healing. Are there any suggestions about making or any data about endoscopic assessment and how endoscopic healing does or doesn't predict long-term prognosis? Absolutely. And so we, we have data that if we actually can heal that bowel, comparing the people who actually are healed at that first endoscopic assessment as compared to those that are not, that when we look at more of the long-term outcomes, such as surgery, hospitalization, and kind of that long-term mucosal healing rate, then we actually have improved outcomes if we can achieve this early mucosal healing. And so it has really changed my practice, for example. In Crohn's disease, one of the things we know is that clinical symptoms don't always correlate with inflammatory burden. And so what the concern is, is that we actually may be under-treating some of these patients or potentially even over-treating. Sometimes there are symptoms where there's not inflammation. And so what I have done in my practice is I've really started uh, reassessing. Typically, after I start a therapy from a Crohn's disease perspective, I'm actually performing a repeat colonoscopy within six months after initiating that therapy. And then at that time, I'm adjusting therapies based on what I find. And this has become a very important tool in the management of Crohn's disease. No, absolutely. So this is, you know, very insightful. And I, if I'm hearing you loud and clear, Dr. Long, we need to be very aggressive about initiating therapy early on in the disease course to prevent these complications. And it sounds like we need to be very aggressive about monitoring treatment response, proving that there's mucosal healing. So let me shift gears in just a second here. With treating aggressively, with that in mind, how do we predict or identify which patients we should be more aggressive with who have Crohn's disease? No, it's a great question, and we wish we had very specific, um, exact criteria. Um, But we do have some risk factors that we can use to help to triage um, patients into those that have more of a risk of disease progression as compared to those that don't. But when we look at what are the prognostic factors, those people that will have a much more complicated disease course, uh, first off, if they're young, uh, people who are quite young really do seem to have a more aggressive form of Crohn's disease. Second, if they have extensive bowel involvement, for example, when Crohn's disease affects the upper GI tract, um, that is a Crohn's disease that seems to be more aggressive, and that's someone that we, we should be treating with a biologic earlier. Another example would be a patient that has perianal disease or severe rectal inflammation. Those are characteristics associated with a more complicated disease course. And then finally, if at diagnosis, a patient presents and, you know, perhaps they were diagnosed late and they actually already have penetrating or stenosing disease, certainly that's a patient that we need to treat more aggressively up front. 
And the newest Crohn's disease guidelines from the American College of Gastroenterology, they also recommend using endoscopy uh, to risk stratify, meaning is that a patient does have quite deep ulcerations on endoscopy, that this is someone that also has poor prognostic factors and someone that we should be considering treating more aggressively up front. And I think by taking those characteristics under advisement, it'll help us to select the appropriate population to use uh, biologics uh, earlier in disease course. Yeah. So, you know, if we just take a step back and, and look at the patients that we see in clinic every day who, who come in for that initial consultation, and we just go down the list of those very simple risk factors that you just identified, age, you know, duration of disease, complications of the disease, and location, you know, a significant portion are patients that I feel in my practice are going to benefit from biologics. But it's very easy. We don't need a fancy scoring system, right? It's, it's the clinical risk factors. We have to step back and look at the patient as a whole. And I think it makes it easy to identify what do we have to do to get this patient from this point in time to a better point in time. So, you know, it's 2019 at the recording of, of this podcast. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we didn't have many options, you know, uh, for Crohn's disease. And now, Dr. Long, we have at least three different classes of, of monoclonal antibodies, biologics, anti-TNFs, anti-integrins, and anti-IL-1223s. Can you help our listeners understand the key differences between these individual classes and should our expectations differ for each biologic therapy? Absolutely. And I think what the key aspect that we have to say up front in this conversation is that for Crohn's disease, unfortunately, we don't have any head-to-head clinical trials. We don't have any trials that compare an anti-TNF to an anti-integrin or an anti-integrin to an anti-IL-1223. I hope that those studies uh, will be done uh, in the future. And so the data we're using are indirect data, uh, observational cohort-level data, even things like network meta-analyses to try to compare these drugs indirectly in terms of efficacy. And so really, it makes it very difficult to say you should use A over B. I will say that, you know, obviously the anti-TNFs are a long-standing agent that really we've used since 1998, so over 20 years of data in terms of treatment of Crohn's disease. The one comparative effectiveness study uh, that has been done is actually a study, uh, the SONIC trial, that actually looked at anti-TNF use alone as compared to azathioprine, uh, obviously an immunomodulator, as compared to combined therapy with anti-TNF and immunomodulator. And in that particular study, those on combined immunosuppression had better efficacy um, outcomes, at least over the uh, short term. And so that study is one that I do um, I do use in my practice in that um, particularly up front, if someone has quite aggressive disease, I am using combination therapy uh, with an anti-TNF and azathioprine. Certainly, obviously, our listeners over the long term may have some safety concerns and other concerns, but I think it's very clear from an efficacy standpoint that certainly, at least in the first six or 12 months, that uh, that combination um, for our most aggressive disease may be um, more efficacious than either of those drugs alone. Other drugs, uh, the newer drugs, anti-integrin, betalizumab, we have had this since 2014. This, this drug has really demonstrated excellent safety. The therapy itself is one that I preferentially use when I am trying to come up with the safest, safest uh, therapy for my patients. Actually, obviously, has demonstrated efficacy in Crohn's disease. A little bit slower in onset than the anti-TNF agents, potentially more like week 14, where we would expect to see clinical response, um, potentially clinical remission, as compared to somewhat earlier with the anti-TNF. 
but clearly has shown efficacy in this population. And then uh, ustekinumab, the only approved anti-IL-1223, approved in 2018, has also demonstrated um, efficacy in Crohn's disease and seems to have very good um, safety signals as well. So, you know, in my practice, I certainly use clinical characteristics, comorbidities to help me to determine which of these therapies I am going to use first. And certainly, if someone is a primary failure of that class of drug, I'm moving on uh, to another class of drug. And each of these agents has been very effective for the treatment of Crohn's disease. That's very helpful, and, and that's a really great tight summary of kind of the different agents and uh, what we have available. Uh, and you know, you, you know, you brought up there's not a lot of, you know, there's really little to no head-to-head trials, maybe except with the ex- very, very recent exception of, uh, of varsity, vitaluzumab and adalumumab. Do you have any, you know, a guidance for our audience about uh, that one head-to-head trial that we have between anti-integrin vitaluzumab and anti-TNF adalumumab? Yes, of course. And so in, in ulcerative colitis, there was a recently published New England Journal of Medicine paper that looked at a head-to-head comparison of adalimumab as compared to vetalizumab. And this was actually a 52-week study where they uh, induced for standard dosing of both agents. And at 52 weeks, it actually demonstrated improved efficacy uh, for vetalizumab as compared to adalizumab for clinical remission and also for endoscopic endpoints. What was interesting is for the endpoint of steroid-free remission, it actually seems that adalimumab um, may have been better. But again, for the main outcomes, vetalizumab uh, was superior to adalimumab. And so, you know, that's very important. Um, I think it really will inform the ulcerative colitis landscape. I do think that from a Crohn's disease perspective, it's hard to infer data specifically from that trial. And so I think we do need data within Crohn's disease populations to help to make some of those decisions. But I think it was a huge movement forward in our field to have a comparative effectiveness trial of biologic agents in ulcerative colitis. And, and as I mentioned, I'm really looking forward to further data in Crohn's disease. For those just tuning in, you're listening to CME on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Neil Nandi, and Dr. Millie Long is here with me today to talk about the latest treatment strategies for Crohn's disease. This has been really insightful. Dr. Long, before we depart, uh, do you have any particular take-home messages that you want our learners to take away at the end of this discussion? I think that the key thing is is we have to look at each patient as an individual and really use those risk factors that we discussed early on to help us to treat the right patient earlier. I think that for too long in the inflammatory bowel disease world, we've been waiting for complications to occur in order to be more aggressive with management. I think we need to change that trajectory. And I think these recent guidelines uh, and some of the more recent uh, studies have helped us to understand this. And the the sooner we can incorporate that into our practices, the better outcomes I think we'll have for our patients. That is perfect. And I think that is definitely the take-home message, individualized therapy and, and early aggressive use. Dr. Long, thank you so much for spending your time and sharing your valuable insights uh, with all of us. We truly appreciate it. For CME on ReachMD, this is Dr. Neil Nandi. Until next time. This activity has been provided in partnership with Prova Education. To receive your free CME credit, be sure to complete the post-test and evaluation by visiting reachmd.com prova. This is CME on ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.